Hello and welcome to the back page of Video Games Podcast. I'm Samuel Roberts. I'm joined as ever by Matthew Castle. Hello. Matthew, how's it going? Have you been enjoying the new additions to Nintendo Switch Online? I've got a review game on the go, so every minute of the day I have to play that rather than um, Metroid Prime and GBA. I played a little bit of Minish Cap just to see how GBA looked on my lovely OLED screen, and can confirm, very nice. So that's what separates it from the um, dubious uh, emulation devices I've owned in the past, where uh, <laughs> they, they don't have OLED screens. They, um, yeah, they're, they're very much like more sort of mom and pop operations. <laughs> right. and yeah, this is this is some big boy shit. Seeing some <laughs> ancient games running on this thing, so <laughs> that's good. So you bought Metro Prime straight off, did you? Uh, no, I haven't. That's, I actually haven't. I haven't bought it yet um, because I just don't have time to play it. So. Um, ah. maybe I'll hold out for the physical copy. I don't know. That's what I did. That's what I did. And yeah, it's going to be my reward. Like the deferred gratification will make it more worthwhile, maybe. Yeah. I was quite surprised to see how elaborate this remaster was, actually. Because I think you and I speculated that it was kind of like a 3D All-Star situation where maybe yeah. it had been pushed out the door. But it seems like it's been a, had a proper overhaul. Yeah, it's one of those classic ones that when I was watching the trailer, I was like... Oh, it still looks pretty good. I was thinking this still looks pretty solid, like based on how it was on the GameCube. And then when I saw the side-by-side comparisons, and you see actually how much has been done to it and how overhauled it is, it's just the curse of remasters and remakes. Isn't it? <laughs> it's the, you know, the, it looks how you remember it, even though it's much better. Yeah. Speaking of uh, the old remasters and remakes, this episode is about The Last of Us, Matthew. You've been playing. The Last of Us. Do they call it Part One now on PS Five? Yeah, yeah, that's baffling. That's sort of the sort of thing that Steve Burns used to hate when people would call it like Halo One. It's like it's not called Halo One; it's called Halo. And I always found that quite funny as a sort of um, yeah thing to take. I guess with, I guess yeah. they couldn't do it at the time, like in case it had bombed massively, unlikely for a Naughty Dog game, yeah. and then you're stuck with something which announces itself as the beginning of something, hmm. um, and then it never happens. I guess it's just to tie it into Part Two, which is. They did that because it sounds like The Godfather, right? Yeah, I mean, it's the old um, Floygan Bros uh, Volume 1 problem, Matthew. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> you set expectations, there'll be a Volume 2. And, uh, you yeah. see, if they just called it Floygan Bros, <laughs> then made Floygan Bros Volume 2, and then remade Floygan Bros as Floygan Bros Volume 1, that would have been fine. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, the last of Floygan. Um. <laughs> and Floygan Bros is very much the last of us of the Dreamcast. <laughs> That's everything that uh, you need to know about Matthew's views on Sega right there. Views and knowledge summed up. Um, uh, well, actually, Floygan Bros is about controlling a character with an AI companion. It's not that far off. Oh, yeah, it's, that is true, actually, yeah. Very <laughs> it literally is. And that was a purely accidental similarity. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But, uh, yeah, yeah, very much ahead of its time, Floygan Bros, clearly. Uh, so, yeah, for people who don't remember what that is that was on games court a very cursed dreamcast object that someone read in and me saying the word floygan bros caused matthew to crack up because it does sound like a randomly generated game um so this episode the last of us it felt like a good time to talk about the first game in this series because there is obviously a tv show that's out that tv show seems to be phenomenally popular i.e my dad is watching it um despite Ooh. he's had the game installed on P- on the PS4 I gave him for three years, and he has not touched it one once. I mean, but the TV show that would, that would eat into precious saboteur time. 
<laughs> yeah, old precious oboe time. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's time. That's that's tough. Um, oh, it was a clarinet, wasn't it? I, I keep I, I forget now what the actual instrument was and what was the, the one actually. This podcast is so fucked. It's out of control. Someone emailed us actually just saying that like, uh, oh, I want to listen to your more recent episodes, but I don't want to miss out on any lore, so I'm re- listening to them in order. And I was like, oh god, that's that's a bad sign when you made a podcast so people feel the need to do that. Um, yeah. So yes, Matthew, The Last of Us. I feel like this will be a good territory for discussion so we kind of got like a bit of background on the original release um and the tv show itself in section one and in section two matthew's been replaying um the game on ps5 or you know playing the ps5 version for the first time and so we're going to talk about that a bit too so should be well rounded we're not going to try and cram both games into one episode because i think the tv show and the first game is kind of enough and um yeah apparently like you know the they're going to adapt uh the last of us part two for future seasons of this tv show so it makes sense mm. to kind of revisit those down the line i think when um a lot of that story comes back into uh sort of like harsh view and you know people talking about it and that sort of thing so matthew to start with do you remember the first time you heard about the last of us and what you thought about its whole road to release how do you think how did you think uh about the last of us relative to uncharted which was you know naughty dog's other big series or it was like its first big sort of cinematic series you know this huge kind of like uh ps3 trilogy um became like this massive deal and then the last of us felt like it kind of grew out of that they split the team off into two teams for the first time to make this um mm. cinematic uh sort of horror infused game so uh, like uncharted was a huge deal to both of us we talked about it a lot on the podcast before yeah. we did an uncharted episode like what was what was the last of us to you in like 2013 or before when they announced it yeah, so as I've said many times on the podcast before, like PlayStation of this era, I kind of approach very much as a punter. You know, I never worked on PlayStation. I never wrote anything PlayStation mags. You know, I basically just played the games when they came out and wasn't too involved with the hype cycles behind them. My earliest memory of this is um, there was like a, an an Easter egg in Uncharted that kind of linked to this, right? In Uncharted 3, there was a like a newspaper that referenced like a mushroom outbreak, which people on the internet sort of seized upon and decided was a hint at something, not necessarily Naughty Dog, but something coming from Sony. And so I think my first sort of memory of this game is like, oh, it's the weird mushroom thing from Uncharted 3. And definitely mushrooms featured heavily in my memory in like the announcement and the kind of chat around this game. This this like lore of this world that it wasn't zombies that there, there was this sort of like uh, kind of world reclaimed by nature and sort of mushroomy threat. And I can remember thinking, well, I don't really know how that fits into that Uncharted template. I couldn't really imagine what the Uncharted team were gonna gonna make. You know, these sort of masters of of quite light-hearted action adventure you know was this going to be some like weird sci-fi thing so i think probably trepidation is is like the earliest thought on this yeah so it's interesting for me i kind of recognize this as a huge deal because you know it was um there was this uh first trailer in 2011 i think it was um they debuted it at like the whatever the game awards was called then the whatever jeff Keighley fest spike um, yeah that's right yeah i think that's right um so yeah and like it was this uh yeah like sort of like the tone was obviously completely different uncharted has this very fun tone and this seemed very sincere very serious 
Um, it was right around the time that The Walking Dead was huge as well. Um, this was the year that season two of The Walking Dead came out, and so people weren't um, that TV show wasn't mega embarrassing yet as it would become uh, very quickly. Right. <laughs> um, and so the, I think like there was this idea of like credible drama amid zombie stuff. Just seemed like it was you know it, it seemed like it was in the air a little bit. Like it's not mm. it's not totally implausible to me that the, there's there's some crossover between The Walking Dead and The Last of Us. Um, right. You know, take all the Cordyceps stuff out of The Last of Us. You could basically set that entire story in The Walking Dead's universe. There isn't anything to stop right. you. You know what I mean? Like, it's um, a very similar kind of, like, you don't know... Um, you don't have loads and loads of lore details about where this thing came from, but it is a thing that has taken over America, essentially. And there, there are these different human factions left fighting for survival like mm. the, the whole thing could be the walking dead basically minus the mushroom stuff the mushroom stuff was quite key to their messaging if i remember like i can remember watching a little mini documentary where they were very explicit about like look at this man who's kind of grown into a wall as a mushroom like that image is stuck in my head as like the first thing i saw of the last of us and i have no idea where it comes from yeah, well, certainly, like, it gives it something visually distinct. Um, but, mm. like, fun- fundamentally, I don't think they really do anything that makes them function that differently to zombies, really. Some of them are blind is probably the thing. It, like, the, that's the key thing. It's, like, the imagery is different. But, like, the actual, I don't know, the mechanics of the world and, like, how they all function is quite similar to a, a zombie storyline, mm. really. Like, it's not massively different. Uh, that's not me saying that, like, you know, I thought that was a weakness of the game. But it just felt to me like I could see why... It was plausible that Naughty Dog would make the, this in a world with The Walking Dead in it. That's um, yeah, that's basically right. all I'm saying. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like for me as well, I worked on a PlayStation magazine in 2012, and I think by the time I moved on to that magazine, they'd already done two covers on The Last of Us, and this is like they were still uh, like about a year away from release. Right. So that's how big a deal it was on PlayStation. It was the big thing. Um, I think there's a thing as well where like in that first trailer, um, Ellie's counting bullets out of a gun. Um, and so they were kind of like underlining the whole idea of, you know, you ammo is scarce here too, you know, so that's where it's very different to the Uncharted where obviously you're just going weapons free in a variety of situations. This was very much like, um, I suppose you had at the same time as um, this came along, this reveal came along, you had like survival games kind of taking off a little bit more. And so crafting systems becoming a bit more prevalent you know in your day uh, day z and the like likes of that um sort of rise of steam early access things now last of us doesn't have loads in common with that sort of thing but it's like it's almost like the most sort of cinematic polished version of those types of mechanics you know it's like a little bit of like what can you find and and sort of pull together that kind of thing that's that was a sort of uh, like a, a game type that was emerging more and more at the time you know that's that's what i kind of remember about it um yeah yeah. yeah, that sounds that sounds about right. And it is it is uh, maybe maybe like part of my problem kind of wrapping my head around it was that, you know, they'd established themselves as this very sort of cinematic, linear, kind of choreographed studio. And the talk around this, you know, without them being explicit about mechanics, kind of leads you to thinking, you know, is this gonna be more like systems based or systemic in general? And the kind of tug of war between those two kind of design approaches is kind of what's at the heart of the last of us and what kind of makes it interesting yeah i think that's i think that is true it's like it's you know it is basically a stealth action game right it's sort of like you know arguably 60 percent 
stealth or you know you can you can play most of it in stealth really but mm. um i think there is like it's all about the sort of um the tipping point of drama when like um things go wrong and you are forced to use a gun like i think that it's not a game i think that's necessarily designed to be ghosted and i'm sure you can play it that way but it's more mm. like you are sort of waiting for the moment that something goes amiss and then suddenly you have to fight yeah. your way out of this and like that that's where the kind of more cinematic action element comes into it and i think that's certainly mm. like a deliberate part of the mix and not just like metal gear where you're basically punished for you know being caught essentially mm. um mm. so that's where i think it differs a little bit to a stealth game mm. um for example um so matthew what what do you remember about when you've played it for the first time did it register as a massive deal for you yeah i mean it it, it was one of these ones where like office hype definitely swept me up i can remember cvg sitting behind us on m it's suddenly like all they were talking about and it became apparent from people playing the review code and chatting about it in the office that this was going to be, you know, as good as or as interesting or as exciting as, you know, what they've been doing in Uncharted 2 and Uncharted 3, which were obviously like a huge, huge deal. I remember on launch day really struggling to find a copy because it, you had to have like pre-ordered it at the game shops. I, I ended up buying it from Hamley's Toy Store in London. <laughs> right, that's um, random. That is one of the, yeah because I was just trying to think where would people not go to buy a video game and uh, I I happen to know that Hamley's had a video game so going to this stupid store which is very for people who don't know Hamley's it's kind of like London's famous sort of like chintzy toy store but it's it's kind of like the toy stores you see in films like you know big teddy bears and it's you know it's it's you know not not a place you think video games so yeah I got it from there. Um, yeah, I was just I was desperate to see the opening in particular. There was a, I remember there was loads of talk about this sort of astonishing opening, whatever it was. Was this like real technical feat? This real, um, you know, emotional kind of sledgehammer blow? You know, I'd, I'd been hearing lots of chatter around kind of how emotional the game had been making reviewers. There was this constant reference to like. Oh, so apparently so and so cried when they reviewed it. Um, was right. the, was the kind of echo around the office, <laughs> you know? And maybe, and you're like, oh well, I've got to see what this is. Then you know, this is you know, I can't I can't be sort of contrarian and not not get not kind of get swept up by all this chat. And yeah, I mean, as as for actually playing it, you know, I th- I thought it was like well, I think my sort of initial reaction was was just being really excited, being swept up by that that opening set piece, which is a you know, still, still pretty astonishing, and then just b- being probably more like intrigued by ha- how, like, this emergence of this new side of Naughty Dog, this this sort of like slight step away from entirely sort of scripted thrills into into like stealth and and the particular brand of stealth, and we can talk a little bit more about that in the second half, I guess. But um, you know, I, I don't think I was ever part of the kind of instant like. 10 out of 10 this is my favorite thing ever um club but i you know i remember being really compelled by it and playing through it like super fast across a week you know it, it has a really good pull to it i mean the the whole pitch of that you're going to this place like you always have this sort of objective it, it's a really it, it's a game that does a really good job of constantly reminding you like you're working towards this thing there's always a landmark on the horizon you're kind of working towards it's got a really nice sort of journey and progression to it that way so it's very hard not to get sort of swept up by that so you know i, I found it to be very effective yeah, it's interesting because I I played it and I didn't love it. I thought right. it was, I thought it was very good. I I got a, I think I got a copy on Games TM, 
and I took a week off in I think July 2013 and um, went to Worcester um, very for a very boring week off and um, went to see World War Z one day and got shot on by a bird that was good and then I, and uh, yeah for some reason I remember The Last of Us in um, in, in kind of relation to that because it was that week off where I got shot on by a bird in Worcester so good times um, I think I played through all of it in one chunk and like I liked it I liked it fine but I think that how sincere it was and how seriously it was taking itself i think like maybe this is a slight age thing i just i found it slightly pompous on a first playthrough a little bit self-serious a little bit like we're doing the road but with mushroom men and with and except it's like the more uh sort of like sugar pilled version of it like it's you know, not as nearly as kind of like heavy as the road, this kind of dynamic between, you know, a father figure and a daughter figure. Um, that kind of like rang very, that, that, that rang very similarly to me. It was like, yeah, you know, I've seen the road. I know, I know what the deal is here. Did like the, the sort of physical design of the enemies. Uh, found the stealth quite frustrating. A little bit, a few too many instances where I thought, is it worth trying to stealth my way around this? And then accidentally get like, sort of like instant killed by an enemy because I was... I, I messed up once on a very slow playthrough or should I just like create a kind of like bomb and basically lure people towards me for like one big um, explosive kind of like, um, you know, basically like clear out of enemies. And I, I found mm. just a few instances like that where I was just getting I was just getting annoyed by the stealth. I didn't feel like I fully understood exactly how it worked. Maybe I found it a little bit opaque and sometimes when one of those things would just start screaming and I didn't really know why they were doing it. Um, <laughs> so I had, I had that experience with it where I just thought I didn't like... I wasn't like mechanically blown away by it, and I I thought the story was really well executed. But I think I found myself just ever so slightly um, at odds with the critical reception because I didn't tear up at any of it. Like it's not it's not that kind of game experience for me. Like it can You're the sitting set- there doing a manly shrug at <laughs> all the sadness of the world. Yeah, well, it's more like I don't. I just didn't think it was showing me anything new, even though I was very blown away by the sophistication of like Naughty Dog's presentation. That that you know that part never really fa- fails to amaze me. Like the yeah, the environmental design, the character designs, the animations, all that stuff, absolutely incredible. And I definitely thought that at the time, but gameplay wise, just didn't totally click with me. Um, yeah. And so I, th- I so I liked it, but I didn't love it. And then I didn't replay it again until uh, eight years later. And um, I had slightly different thoughts on it, so maybe we can save that for them for part two. But that was my initial reaction, you know. Yeah, I I think like you know with regards to the kind of the wider response to it and kind of like understanding where the people were coming from, like I I can completely understand why it is like an all timer to the people who love it. But I do also appreciate the kind of eye rolls from certain quarters. <laughs> you know, like, on a character level, you know, it's really delicate, subtle stuff. And is better executed than, than most games in that regard. Definitely. Um, but, yes, people who are, you know, maybe more sort of, I don't know if dogmatically is the right word, but, like, you know, people who are into the doing of games, the playing of games, which is fundamentally kind of, like, probably you know isn't it here what we're here for i can understand why they find like the puzzles naff or the stealth a bit soft or it a bit repetitive you know like i i i completely got that too um and i feel like probably like you sort of sit somewhere between those two things Hmm. of kind of like accepting of one but also like you know yeah i don't i don't think you know strip out all the character which is a dumb thing to say because you can't you know, right. and that isn't you know that is a big part of what this game is. But you know, I don't know if it's talked about in quite quite the same way. 
Yeah, I think so. And I think that, like, um, as well, I did like all the individual pieces of, you know, different characters you'd, you'd meet and interact with and their little stories. I found them slightly archetypal and, like, not, yeah. not none of them really got under my skin emotionally. I tell you, playing it now alongside, like, the TV show, and we'll get into this in the second half, but, like, I, basically, I've been playing it per episode. So I play up to where they get to in the episode and then put it down and then carry on with it so i'm only like halfway through it or whatever as is the tv show and like how they've changed some of those characters or made them like a bit richer or how sort of simple some of them are in the games like it, it is it is quite striking like i mean particularly um you know bill is like a whole different prospect in the game to what you get in the show mm. you know in the in the game it's because he's played by the guy who is the barman dan dorothy in um Deadwood. Right. And like now I'm just like, oh, cool. I'm just hanging out with Dan Torrey for a bit. And you meet this guy and he teaches you to make a nail bomb. And it's very video gamey, silly character, really, hmm. you know, compared to what you've just watched in the show where, you know, spoilers, no one learns how to make a nail bomb in that episode. <laughs> um. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, actually, that's probably a good point here. So let's like lay out the spoiler rules, shall we, Matthew? So yeah. let's say in section one here, we will spoil the contents of the TV show so far, which is up to episode five, um, yeah. which is called Endure and Survive. And then we won't spoil the major beats of the game beyond what's in the TV show until part two. Does that sound fair? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I may. Yeah, I may allude to some things. <laughs> yeah, that's fair because I think we'll need to. But yeah, I think that, that that's how we'll do it. Just in case, like someone stumbled across this, or you know, looking for podcasts about the TV show or whatever, and they found two grumpy men complaining about a game from twenty thirteen. Imagine, imagine if this podcast was your first ever bit of Last of Us content you can see. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, to, to revisit the reception thing, like um, I've made this point before, but I got the impression that people who were like five or six years younger than me at the time majorly clicked with The Last of Us in like a massive way. Like I worked with an editor on Tech Radar and she seemed to be like it seemed to be a huge part of her sort of gaming diet or whatever. And it reminded me of like how I thought, oh okay, maybe this is to people what Uncharted 2 was to me when I was like twenty or something like that when I played it. So right. I kind of wondered that a little bit about it. Um if that was an mm. element. If there's an age element of like if this hits you at the right time, maybe it like strikes a, a more of a chord. Um I wondered if that was maybe part of it. Yeah. Um, but then what is interesting is I I think the first game's like just just good and then I think the second game is phenomenal. I love the second game. I think the second game's a lot richer in a lot of ways. I know it's a lot longer, Matthew, and that's probably a longer conversation to have for another time. But I think like viewed through the prism of the second game, the first game seems not primitive, but just very it's very brisk. It doesn't sort of like yeah, it's just it's just a, such a different experience. And then yeah, I think like when you put it through the prism of the TV show as well, like you say, like some of those characters are just super simple. And so to me, they were kind of like, they're almost like little vignettes, you know, it was like, oh yeah, and now it's just the story about the brothers. And now it's like, blah, blah, blah. and it's like, not like a massively inter interconnected thing, but fine. It's just kind of like journey across America or whatever. And I liked it, but yeah, it never like properly stayed with me in the way I got the sense it did with some people. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. yeah it's, it's interesting that age thing, because I think there were like two ends to it. There were definitely like, yeah, a kind of sort of generation or two kind of behind were really into it. And I didn't know if there was like a kind of like like a 20-year-old, you know, Ellie isn't 20 in this game. She's like a young teenager. But I wondered if there was some sort of like 
more connective tissue there with like younger people. And then at the other end of the scale, you had this was the first instance of like gamer dads being like emotionally awakened by a game and having this whole kind of oh I can appreciate this better than you because I've got a kid and I can kind of understand you know this this will speak to you or there's stuff in this you wouldn't understand if you hadn't had a kid which I always find a bit naff yeah this course. Uh, no thank uh, you no but thank like you. <laughs> they, they, were, they were like and you know in the middle were like childless 30 year olds <laughs> who are like i just want to see like a head disintegrate <laughs> yeah but the thing is i am i am prepared to go along like you know and get invested in a story that involves um parents and children for sure but i guess i didn't really think it had anything new to say about those things like um i don't know i can think of like you know something like boyhood for example is like a you know an example of like a parent children relationship so it really gets to me you know what i mean and i don't yeah i don't need to have a kid who likes iron man to appreciate that you know what i mean so <laughs> it's like i find that a really really false and like you know we're talking about the generation here of like dad op-eds about oh i've had a kid and this kid this game's got kids in it and that's like a whole other thing you know um i i think it's more like you know, there's a generation of gamer dads who've been asked to make content and it's quite a convenient thing to, like, mine, you know, <laughs> rather than necessarily... This idea that you can't empathise with something that you haven't had any experience of, I think, is, like, preposterous, but... Anyway. Absolutely. But the, the funny thing is, though, like, I actually thought that um, Left Behind, the DLC, I actually... I wouldn't say I preferred it to the game, but I would say that as a slice of what the game does well, it really excels because it does deepen... The you know a, a key character in a really important way I think like it's mm. you know it's a flashback story but you know it adds to that sense of yes I'm going to say inner life um, to the Ellie character and so um, that I found really satisfying is like not only a distillation of what The Last of Us does well gameplay wise because it was a, a really good setting for a DLC and I really liked how it kind of like um, flashed back to that um, mall in the present where Joel was basically out for the count and Ellie was just trying to take care of him um, mm. that worked incredibly well for me and I feel like it had the sort of like texture of storytelling that I sometimes wanted from the main game but didn't necessarily get. Right. The, the only part of the main game that really stayed with me was the ending. I thought the ending was like really good. And like that was like a proper like, oh, okay, they flipped a switch and did something a bit differently. That was like, you know, a, a kind of like sting in the tail as it were. So I, I really loved mm. that about about the game. But I wouldn't say any other part of it I really loved. And then from there, I was never really that bothered about there being a sequel um so that was right. me matthew at the time basically um yeah a lot of waffle okay. there but uh yeah <laughs> how did you feel about left behind do you remember playing that yeah i played it quite after the fact i think i played it in the remastered thing on ps4 but i think by the time i played it it sort of snowballed into this like bigger thing than it than it maybe was and and also left behind has a lot of um the kind of um like naughty dog social beats the kind of uh <laughs> The yak petting, or is it ox petting? I can't even remember <laughs> what it means. Patting the ox, yeah. Patting the ox. There's a lot of ox patting in that DLC, and <laughs> and people respond really well to that. And like that's probably the time. That's probably the moment that they kind of take the kind of proto um, petting from Uncharted Three and kind of elevate it into something a bit more. You know, there's 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 a bit more kind of human drama mixed in with it, and like really, I feel like like that probably that dlc more than anything has kind of been the model for a lot of what they've done since there's a lot of that dlc kind of repeated tonally in part two and in uncharted 4 and lost legacy you know Mm. this idea of like amongst the chaos 
a kind of glimmer of humanity in this like you know animated and designed with this incredible specificity often humor very warmth like that uh, that's the stuff that seems to really really resonate and so it's no surprise they kind of lean into it but uh, yeah I, I did like it i liked i probably liked the the more flashback bits more than kind of running around a kind of sad shopping center in the present <laughs> yeah i've definitely said this before but the thing that distracted me in the um in the present bits were that like ellie kept finding letters that were like signed by this guy called ellis and i thought you can't have an ellie and an ellis in this fucking game that's like outrageous <laughs> you have to like not do that just call him like roger or something you know what i mean like, <laughs> that well, was maybe sp- maybe they'll have uh tweaked that in last of us part one i've not played the dlc yet they're like one of the key things we wanted to address was the confusion that people thought they were getting letters from themselves ellie um so we've obviously really tidied that up well now. it wasn't that it was just they were just a bit too close it's a bit like i don't know it's like you have 10 seconds to come up with a name um, you know, we just need like a some like a generic army man. Uh, Ellis, yeah, sure. And like, yeah, I mean, and people do take that into consideration. Do you remember in Game of Thrones they changed that character's name because there were two characters? Is it like Asher and Ashen or something? Oh, right, and okay, yeah. They changed one of them into Yara, I think, because they didn't want people going like, huh? Um, people <laughs> are stupid, <laughs> you know. And yeah. Ellie Ellis, it's 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 a pretty pretty tight one. It's like I made a joke on Twitter about the, how the character Hosea in uh, Red Dead Redemption just call him horse. If you want to call him horse, just fucking go whole hog. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, let's go. <laughs> right. Um, but uh, yes. Um, so yeah, that was kind of like that was the game to me. It was like this is this is really good, and Naughty Dog are really good at this, and the cinematic presentation stuff is is like still fantastic and they sure showed me some amazing environments you know that was that was the the whole evolution of uncharted was basically about that it was about like first you're in the jungle and some ruins and then second game's like oh you know we've got like you know a sort of like a lost city and then like a city under siege and all this kind of stuff and the third one's like we're taking to the desert and the spectacle would just grow and grow and grow and then here was this game that like it launched and it had all the spectacle like from day one basically like it was Mm. it arrived like content complete in a lot of ways um it was just gameplay wise i wanted it i wanted it to give a little bit more than it had i suppose so flipping focus the tv show matthew i suppose before i ask you about what it what you think of it like what did you think when you heard they were making a tv show and specifically that they were getting craig mazin who made chernobyl um to team up with neil Druckmann to write this tv show how did you feel about the whole enterprise the undertaking yeah, I, like it makes sense from a kind of you know license perspective. It's so massive that you know it it, it has the kind of size to sustain a TV show. Um, again, Craig Mazin felt like an, a natural fit after Chernobyl, just because it's sort of like doomed worlds and people working in very stressful situations. You know, it, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to sit, you know link one to the other and see how you know someone who did one show could make this other show um like i'll be honest i'm always nervous with like the involvement of original creators because i think that has what that that is what has sunk lots of things in the past you get the feeling that kind of like meddling or you know game studio involvement is what stops a lot of things from maybe kind of becoming the projects that they should be they're a bit precious about them but um maybe this is like the slight exception to that or has turned out to be a slight exception to that you know because the source material you know already draws so much on sort of television and film you know you know 
the person behind it is is very like pop culture aware you know this this isn't some you know distant stakeholder in japan going this character is important and the fans like this you know that's that is what has done for a lot of you know Resident Evil and Capcom related films and tie-ins they're always this it always feels they've sort of been filtered through this sort of layer of kind of bullshit so yeah like it it all kind of made it all kind of made perfect sense I mean I you know I, I did think you know why bother when you've got something which is dramatically very satisfying as a game uh you know I didn't necessarily you know I felt like I, I'll just be watching scenes from the game again and that is true of the show. Like there's, mm. there's bits where they just lift dialogue wholesale, and w- when they're doing that, those are the moments I'm like, why, why are we doing this? Like this doesn't, <laughs> this isn't adaptation. This is just uh, repetition. Oh, you know, it's just a clone. You know, it's it's like a, a weird kind of sort of, sort of cosplay version of the game. Um, but you know, it it has done other things too. So yeah, yeah, for sure. So yeah, so it's like so like I say, we're five episodes in. I've got a kind of sense of how you feel about this from what how what we've been talking about on Discord, like behind the scenes, and then also what you just said there. So, is it landing for you so far as a TV show? Is it working for you? Uh, to be honest, it varies episode to episode. You know, I, I I am finding it very hard to untangle from the game, and so I I find it's not a natural watching experience for me. You know, I'm not consuming it like I would any other show. I'm kind of constantly comparing contrasting it's always making me think about the game or think about other things and you know which is kind of interesting in itself um i think the the problem i have with it i think a story which was maybe sophisticated by video game terms is maybe not as sophisticated in the context of all television and i watch a lot of television and i feel like it's I feel like I've seen a lot of the beats, a lot of the drama before, and maybe it isn't working as well for me as it is other people because of that. Yep, yeah, I'm exactly the same. I think that, like, this... The parts where it's a facsimile, like you, I agree, I look at it and go, why Why does this exist exactly? Like, what was the impetus for it beyond, like, a, a great branding exercise or, like, a vanity project? Um I mean, but at the same time, I'm kind of like, well, I know that there are people who will just simply never play the game, who will watch this TV show and might think it's good. But I agree with you. I think the the, the big problem, I think, with this show, for me, is that there was never that much thematic depth to the first story, uh, to, the, to, the games, to the first game's story. It's a bit more like, you know, it's got themes about parenthood, but I don't know if it's got loads more going on narrative narratively um yeah. loads more to say story wise and i don't think that's true of the second game I think the second game's got a lot more meaty material to sink your teeth into um mm. in a tv adaptation but yeah it's sort of like it's leaving me a little bit cold in some ways but, but um go on sorry go on no you carry on you carry on. well like you i i think it varies from episode to episode so you know is this me being a grump and saying that like the you know the gay relationship portrayed in episode three um, between Bill and Frank, his partner. Like, it's not, you know, does not land for me at all. That's not true. I, you know, I, I admire the execution, mm-hmm. and I would, I don't begrudge it. You know, not necessarily being related to like the main plot or anything. That's that's fine. It's like you know, it was fine in its own terms for sure. But mm-hmm. when it like the next episode, when it was just like base that was basically episode four was basically like ellie and joel doing stuff they do in the game i just completely zoned out um yeah i th- i thought that was the worst one by distance um, yeah though i actually quite liked episode five yesterday. same same 
for a few reasons. So the reason I really like episode five is this is the one about the brothers, basically, who they've done they did something quite clever, I thought, which is they basically welded the bit in the game where they have the car crash and the bandits turn up. They kind of welded that storyline to the brothers' storyline. Like they they are kind of like interlinked. There is like a leader of that group who is looking um, for like the older brother um, for for reasons that you know you you, you know you, you find out in episode five, and that was a really good choice to me because it kind of linked together these like slightly disparate bits of the game where it's just oh yeah there's some bandits and then you meet these two brothers and then you know something bad happens. That's basically what happens in the mm. game. Um, but yeah, the idea that it was it was kind of interlinked and also the actors who played the brothers are really really good. I like I just couldn't. Couldn't begrudge it as a good bit of TV. Plus, it had a, a rad set piece in it, I thought, that wasn't in the game and actually right. quite yeah. quite impressed me. So is that, what about you with episode five? Yeah, kind of, I, yeah. I, I, I like that it deviated. I like that it, it there was sort of finally a surprise in terms of like what happened in the story. I was kind of like, oh, okay, I wasn't really expecting that. That was exciting. Um, it's interesting you were saying about like comparing Last of Us Part 1 and Part 2 where there's more meat on the bones. This, to me, almost felt like a bit of storytelling pulled more from Part 2. Right. Um, in that, you know, uh, without getting into Part 2 too much, you know, it's a bit of a both sides. It kind of puts uh, a kind of character to the human aggressors, which doesn't happen in the game really ever, part mm. one. Um, and, you know, that isn't the most sophisticated point that you're meant to look at this and go, huh, you know, maybe they've got a different perspective on the action. <laughs> um, but that kind of, like, opens up the show and makes it a bit more interesting. Um, what what just, I guess this leads on to a sort of broader point about something I, I do like about the show is when it's additive and... It's thinking about, without spoiling the show for people and where it's going, you know, the show, there is a very important scene at the end of The Last of Us, um, which I would say in the game sort of comes out of nowhere in that someone has to make a very big decision and it's kind of about what that decision is and, and, and kind of how, how it comes about. And I think the TV show kind of see is sort of seeding that a little bit better. Mm. I think it's spending a bit more time with other characters, other perspectives, and particularly other people who make big decisions or sudden decisions. You know, it's about here are lots of other people who are put in a moment of incredible stress and how they react to it. And that is sort of setting you up to kind of deal with a big decision, which one of one of the other characters is going to make at the end of the show, Um, which to me does give the show like more of a through line mm. than maybe the game has um i think it is one of the big successes of the show and like weirdly it's it's mostly attached to stuff that other people seem to hate specifically it makes me think of the opening to see episode two is this kind of um scene sort of flashback scene to indonesia where basically the a uh, 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 kind of mushroom expert what's the, what's the term for that mike oh I don't know. <laughs> they, they, they say it loads in the show, but whatever. Mycolog- mycologist, maybe? Or whatever. Okay. Um, basically sees, how, sees the problem as it's emerging and, you know, basically c- concocts this plan to sort of firebomb the city is the only solution to it. And, like, that I thought was a really, you know... I actually think in hindsight you'd watch that scene once you finish the show, if the show ends the same way the game ends, and be like you'd see the parallels there. I think you'd see the idea of like someone who sees something and has the, 
is it courage? Who not? You know, as for you to decide to say like, this is the thing, this is the terrible thing that must be done, and this is how you live with it, or this is how I'm going to deal with it. And like that to me, that's that's the way this this sort of, I feel like the writers have kind of unlocked and kind of grown the show, um, which is something I think they have needed to do. Otherwise, it would just be uh, a very weird show if it, if it was truer to the game. Yeah. Two episodes in, I was really flagging. I was like, oh, right. am I going to be able to keep watching this to even make a podcast about it? Like, I was <laughs> like, really impressed by how they've aesthetically recreated the game. Like, it looks like the game, like, in terms of colour palette. Yeah. And, you know, the the scale of it is really impressive. It looks like a proper blockbuster TV show. But like, as a HBO show, I found it weirdly weightless and, like, kind of throw like a throwaway kind of action um, adventure show or something, like, just with some horror elements. Like, I just... Like, I wasn't, um, you know, I think people were like, oh, wow, John Hanna, man, blew me away in that intro sequence in the TV studio. And I was like, yeah, you know, it's it doesn't really add anything for me. It's just like, it's almost like we just were papering a bit more texture on top of something that's not really there. But, like, um, I do agree that, that yeah. second that second episode intro was was, was really strong. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's quite weird. I've been, I've been, for, like, the first time ever, I, I don't normally consume accompanying podcasts to shows and things. Yeah. Like, it's not really how, you know, I, I watch so much TV, the idea of, like, doing that would be mad. Apart from, I did listen to The Ringers episodes about uh, winning time. <laughs> <laughs> did you really? Uh, yeah, I did. Yeah, I listened to all of them because I wanted to know, like, like from people who understood sports and knew the LA Lakers, like how accurate the show was. I was I was genuinely interested in the connections between reality and the fiction of that show. Amazing. Um, you you watching Winning Time is like a dark chapter in your TV watching life. I feel like. <laughs> it was good. It's a good show. Oh, okay. Um, but like I liked watching it and then listening to the the ringer. It was on their prestige TV podcast. But I I found I found that side of things a much harder hang for this because. Yes. I, th- I think it's, like, merely fine, but because it's, like, a phenomenon show, I don't think... And maybe this is me being unfair or condescending here. Like, no one wants to... No, like, it's almost like it's the current, like, pop culture cash cow, and, like, no one's going to dunk on it. So people have kind of gone the other way, where they're treating it with, like, so much reverence and respect, yeah. and they're kind of like, what an amazing turn from that guy who put a can in a bin. And you're <laughs> like, not really. I mean, like, you know, like that, it's mad, you know. And people are like, really powerful stuff from this Indonesian actress at the start of episode two. And it's like, I like that scene, but, like, you know, this isn't like fucking James Gandolfini in The Sopranos here, you know? Yeah. Like, I've been listening to The Last of Us shorter recaps as part of the Ringer's Watch podcast. Right. Uh, which is their weekly TV thing anyway. And, like, they're both very, like, the games are not for me, dog, you know? Yeah. And I kind of appreciate that about them. But I, I am... What, what does interest me, and why I said maybe that last point might sound a bit condescending, is that outside of the gaming bubble... Loads of people legitimately love and rate this show. Yeah. And TV critics who do have a full diet of TV and quality TV, that's what I don't quite understand. Because I'm like, you don't think this is as good as X, surely? Like, you've seen X. You know that it's better than this. Um, yeah. That, But that, you know, we'll just have to agree to disagree, <laughs> me and The Watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I really like those guys. I, I enjoy their... Uh, they've got... I, I say it's probably the the closest to this podcast in energy that podcast it's a bit um it's quite anarchic and weird and like <laughs> one of them doesn't have time to watch tv which is quite funny as well but um yeah they they just sort of like when they do talk about games i'm like i'm kind of like watching my it's like listening to my dad try and explain 
you know explain it a little bit and like that's what that's where I'm kind of I'm with you. It's like the if you watch all this other stuff, how can you possibly think this is like top tier? Now I'm not saying this is a bad TV show. It's not, but right, yeah. And I and I do think it would be better if I hadn't played the game and I watched this TV show wholesale. Like I say, my dad's watching it. He's having a great time. He's not even considering playing the game because he's got too much saboteur to play as established. But <laughs> um, but like yeah, it just it it fundamentally lacks something that satisfies me about HBO shows. Like it's actually weird that this is. I'm not saying that all HBO shows should be the same, but I do think that maybe this represents like how that network is steered slightly more towards franchising things. But if you compare mm. it as an adaptation to like Watchmen as an adaptation, you know what I mean? Like there's so much yeah. going on in Watchmen. And like, yeah. you know, and it's like real world kind of like, you know, racial themes that are like, you know, I'm not saying The Last of Us should tackle, but it has like but has more going on besides that it's like it's got things to say about like law and order and and like you know who gets to define history and like you know um that sort of thing and so i, I think like it's weird to see it's maybe i think maybe seeing this and then house of the dragon last year it's, it sort of makes me think oh are we kind of slightly more in like the we have to make blockbuster tv shows now and it doesn't matter if we sacrifice a l- tiny bit of intellect in order to do that you know is that too cynical <laughs> No, I, I sort of, you know, I wouldn't say it's like game over or anything for HBO. I think, no, no, like, no. They're, they're still also making The White Lotus. Succession. You know? Succession, and we success- own the city. Yeah, yeah. Ex- exactly. But, um, yeah, The Watchmen one's interesting, actually. I didn't really think about that. That's that's a show that's, like, a lot more in conversation with the source material. Hmm. This is, like, a lot more beholden to it. Um, but and, and it's sort of a shame, because I do think where the show is more successful is where they've added to it or, like, moved it along a little bit you know i i think the way that they have tackled the fundamental problem of that this is a show about two people going from a to b and every once in a while they meet someone who dies so that that person (laughs) doesn't continue with them a to b because that is the structure of the game Mm. like in the show this could have very easily been a show where every week they meet someone who dies at the end of the episode like in my head that's what this show is going to be and you know it was basically going to be episode two again and again and again with like oh there's anatov by anatov you know and 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 so like what they did with episode three changing the bill storyline to make his whole storyline sort of separate from theirs gets around that problem which i thought was interesting and then in episode four and five adding in the kind of bandits to make the world you know whatever name we're giving those that collective not bandits rebels i guess like opens that world makes it feel like a fuller place outside of just ellie and joel and that's that's really the task of the show is to like make it distract from the fact that the source material is fundamentally about the same two people leaving lots of other people behind um so yeah i'm I'm, you know kind of like juries out on like how they deliver the, the rest of it i mean i would say based on what they've done so far they have some juicy material to play with in the later episodes. Mm. You know, like they're going to do Left Behind as an episode, apparently, which is which will be a nice character beat amongst it. The stuff with Tommy feels like that could be, you know, an interesting character moment. I, I thought they were going to be more Tommy sort of earlier in the show, you know, because mm. they because the actor's good and they introduced him so much in the first episode and... You know, I thought, oh, well, that's probably where the interesting drama is, and this is, is kind of what goes on with that community. So, you know, I, I you know, I, a, a bit lame just to go wait and see until the last episode, but um, I have, I've definitely liked 
where they've broken away and it makes me wish they'd sort of broken away a bit more i like that too it what what kind of like <clears throat> what concerns me slightly about the rest of the season is it's i think it's a nine episode first season um yeah i was just looking it up in the background there so you've got four episodes left they've got to do left behind right that's got to be an episode in itself you've got to do meeting tommy let's say that's like one episode you know um but it could have been two and they got to do the entire winter section of the game which yeah. is the best bit of the game i would say um and that's got a lot going on. That would be a lot to do in one episode, I think. And they've got mm. to do the finale, which is, you know, when they do or don't reach the uh, their destination, let's say. So that feels quite crammed in actually you know what i mean like it's it's mm. not quite it's not quite enough story to to do to do two seasons but it, it might be too much to do in one season as well as it could be you know yeah like and to convey the sense of a journey like it's weird thinking they are already more than halfway through their journey from what we've seen and it doesn't feel like it's really it's it feels like it's really just started you know what i mean so yeah yeah i'm sort of curious to see where it goes from there i'll tell you another thought that occurred to me actually matthew as well i wonder if this applied to you too but I feel like if I if this had come out sort of like I don't know eight or nine years ago, I feel like I would really have appreciated the fact that games were being legitimized in this way, where where people were spending this much money and casting such you know amazing actors in this in this show that was <clears throat> treated seriously and like you say you know free of the clutches of Paul W S Anderson to be like you know a, a not terrible um, piece of like video game ephemera, but. Right. But now I feel like I, I'm too old to care about that side of things, you know? I don't care if someone adapts a game well into a TV show or film. It's not it's not important to me to see games get that level of legitimacy now. Because no, I, yeah. I appreciate them as legitimate in their own terms, and I don't need other parts of pop culture to validate that. Do you, do you have a sense yeah. of that too? Like, is, is that maybe feeding into the slight, you know, yeah? Yeah, I... Uh... I have, like, no chip on my shoulder about how games are perceived, you mm. know? I've never been embarrassed to like games. I have I like them on their own terms. If anything, you know, I, I don't like the way that games have had to, like, appropriate the kind of behaviour of other pop culture to be seen as legitimate, which is arguably what The Last of Us is. It kind of behaves like, you know, a, a long-form TV show. And, you know, to me, you know... It's about as far from like married galaxies you can get, you know. <laughs> you know, you're not running around on giant bits of fruit on an HBO show, that's for sure. Um, for shame. Um, so yeah, I yeah, I I don't really worry about that. I I get why. I, it's very very hard to work out what people actually think online because a lot of it is kind of like playing to the crowd. Yeah. Because I know that a lot of game players do think like that and do have that chip on their shoulder. So kind of like getting really excited about something that feels quote unquote legitimate makes perfect sense. You know, like that's just that's just smart website business. That's just giving people what they want to hear. Mm. Um, but, but like if in your heart of hearts, do, do you actually think that I, you know, I certainly don't. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's just interesting. I just thought, oh, that's where I'm that's where there's maybe a disconnect between me and this entire enterprise is that I in my imagined days would have been invested in the idea of someone taking these things seriously and now i don't care like i just it just it doesn't mean anything to me that there's a god of war tv show coming like i love norco last year i don't need like the richard linklater version of norco as a film you know what i mean like you just <laughs> just don't do it i just so yeah there's there's that side of things too it's a weird one it's that it's like a very rare example of a tv show people have gone like bananas for where i just don't i don't quite see it that like 
I ve- that very rarely happens for me. You know, I watch something that's on like the best of like year end lists, and I'm all in. And it, it feels like knowing so much about games has just like made this murky for me in a way that's quite surprising and strange. I feel like I'm on the outside looking in for the first time with TV. You know what I mean? It's right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of weird. I need to watch Winning Time instead. Clearly. Um, <laughs> so, Matthew. Okay, one question, Ashley. Like, what do you think of um, Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey in, in these roles? Does that, is that working for you? Yeah, though weirdly, there's not been much of them, you know. Yeah. Um, because because they have broken away from the game to spend time with like Bill and Frank for a whole episode, you know, or um, cutting away to the rebels or um, Henry and Sam in the recent episodes. Like that, they're you know they are the leads, but they're not the leads in the way they are in the game, um, which I I think feels like a deliberate steer away from it feeling too video gamey you know the sections where like if if you even get 20 minutes of them in a row kind of like scavenging in a in a petrol station and repeating their dialogue from the game my mind begins to wander a little bit and go <laughs> Ugh, this is a bit video gamey and like i have seen you know people who haven't played the games you know like on the watch they will often say oh this particular scene that felt like a video game scene. Like, here is the objective we have to get here. Here is the obstacle. An obstacle is in our path. And they're right that like the things they're picking up on are literally lifted wholesale from from the games. Hmm. Um, so that makes perfect sense. So like, yeah, they're good. Um, like, I'm not so precious about the, the the original game that I can't see other people playing these roles. Like he's, they are different. Like, like um, Joel in particular is like, I feel like Pedro Pascal plays him like a lot sadder and wounded than he is in the game. I think you know, just you talk a lot more in the game. You know, Joel's constantly nattering away, and there's a lot more banter. He's maybe frosty in that banter, but he's he's you know, he's just a lot more of a verbal presence. Where in the show, he, you know there's a, a much greater distance between him and Ellie, it seems. She's maybe closer to how I how I sort of perceive Ellie, I guess. That's interesting. I sort of like... The other thing it threw into sharp relief for me is that, like, I while I understand the sort of um, what the Joel and Ellie relationship's function is, I don't know if, like, that ever really, like, massively landed for me as a dynamic. Um, and, like, that's... In, in the game or the show? In the game. Um, right. And this this show maybe spotlighted that for me. I was like, do I? How invested was I in that dynamic? Not in like the actual beats of the story. Like I was invested in that because I was invested in each character individually. But how much did the interplay between those characters matter to me? Um, because it's this very gradually, it's this gradually growing relationship, isn't it? It's you mm. know surrogate relationship. There is closeness there, but for some reason, it just never spoke to me on that fundamental level of like oh i'm so invested in like these two and how they behave t- towards each other and things like that it's, it's, it's well done like i've got I've, i think i appreciate the craft more of of how they kind of seed stuff and maybe this is from watching too many kind of gdc talks from naughty dog writers about the way that they kind of evolve relationships through kind of like in-game patter you know that the, the, the art to it, I find probably more interesting than than maybe the kind of like emotional design of it. Mm, uh, yeah. You know, it's it's the way that you know you obviously have these big beats in cutscenes where you're locked into watching two people have like a very scripted, acted moment, um, but they also kind of like chart that growing relationship in the everyday kind of like 
it barks you know it it's it's there in the you know not just a hey we need to get a ladder to solve its puzzle it's like how they how they have that conversation you know is is a little bit more kind of colder in the earlier parts of the game and later you know they're a bit jokier around it and things like that you know they they do kind of plant it all throughout um and i i really i'm really into that sort of uh the sort of artistry of that right um but that's that's you know it's just a, a, a place where it's kind of hard to unplug your i'm interested in games and how people make games which i do struggle with playing games you know it's quite i, I find it quite hard to play anything just as a the purely emotional being i guess oh right yeah yeah i see what you mean i feel like i'm such a fucking grump when i say that because it sounds like i just don't appreciate the hard work they put into it i do but for some, <laughs> yeah. re- some reason there's just like the dynamic between those characters you know it's sort of like i get it but i don't it doesn't like speak to me on some deeper emotional level i don't know why it just doesn't um yeah anyway so yeah but that, anyway yes it's <laughs> i do sound too grumpy about this um, <laughs> no, 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 the tv the tv show is fine and I, I like the first game just fine. Um, but <laughs> I am curious to know where this is all going. So I do agree, actually, that like uh, I like Bella Ramsey. But I'm really curious to know what's going to happen when this show tries to tackle material from the second game in subsequent seasons, which they said they're doing. It's already been renewed for season two. I think they originally said season two would be you know part two and now i think they're like oh actually it might be like two seasons doing part two which i would say is wise um given Mm. how long the game is so how do you think this is going to work matthew like do you think it's going to thrive in having part two to adapt off the back of this is this almost like a prologue season to what's to come do you think maybe i like part two as i remember it i think is like better set up for conventional tv storytelling you know, it has more of a ensemble cast. It has like this smaller time frame. It's a lot more like tighter geographical focus. You know, it's not this across country kind of trek. Yeah, a lot of stuff kind of happens with sort of two intertwining timelines, um, which feels like you know just to have those people close together. That's how a lot, uh, you know a lot more TV works. I also think season two, like the kind of creature feature element of it with all the zombies, is like less important it's it's more specifically about the kind of human drama between these characters which this is too but this game's also part one is setting up the world and there's a lot you know there's a lot of the zombies feel like more sort of front and center where they're more of a kind of like background threat in part two so it feels like a meteor thing to get their teeth into whether they like like you know there's a bit of a time jump and whether they kind of fill in that gap with something or feel the desire to fill in like i think there are stories to be told in that gap which i wouldn't object to yeah yeah it's i i have like bigger problems with part two story story i think um i think we almost flip a little bit on how <laughs> we feel about part one and part two yeah um, I, I think that's true what why is that do you think like what's the what's the, why uh, does it appeal to me in a way it doesn't to you i don't know i don't know like i, I completely get your point about Part two like deals with a lot more. There's a there's a lot of chewy stuff, but I think part two sort of sort of central thesis, you know, which is revenge bad, and like the extent it kind of goes to to like show you that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't I, like. I, I I almost I almost feel like part two is kind of two games at once, and both those games make the same point. And for for the second half of that game. 
I felt like, oh, I've, you know, like I get it. It was kind of my overall feeling. And yeah, I just didn't think it was hugely subtle despite being a more complex work. I think that's true. One thing I will say about the, the revenge bad point is that like, it's the most like revenge has ever been like, I think like viscerally sort of like, like palpable to you as a player like the notion of why you're doing it and like what the consequences are and like your sort of hunger to see that revenge play out is like I think it's quite relentless as a player and I think that's that's something that the game just does really well it provokes you into feeling that yeah. way and like that that just like uh, yeah that that just really worked for me for for whatever reason um yeah and like there's just moments in it that are truly nasty where I'm like I know this is bad but it feels good and like that's that's <laughs> like well okay well it is it is succeeding on that level then um, yeah and also the other thing is the other key thing I'll say about what I like about two versus one and I think TV show actually echoes some of these problems is that the world building for what has happened to Earth like in the midst of this Cordyceps outbreak. It's not that interesting. It's like the government turned on its people and it's totalitarian and then there are like some outsiders, outsider human factions. And that's it. That's the world. Like that could just be The Walking Dead and it's exactly the same really. It's not It's not that innovative. But the second one is a bit more like um, there is kind of a civil war element and like ideological warfare and like these quite fucked up post-apocalyptic leaders and stuff. And I think that that is meatier and more interesting. Um, mm. That's where I think two appeals to me, Matthew. I think it just... Everything that one does on a superficial level, I think two just deepens um, from like mm. the themes to like the how much detail is in the story to obviously the environments you see, but also the gameplay. The gameplay is much more expansive. So that's mm. why I prefer two, I think. It's just like one is like a taste of what Naughty Dog could do. Two is like this is our attempt at a masterpiece, you know? So yeah, yeah. it's just it. It's just too, it's just too bleak for TV. <laughs> if you did it like blow for blow, I think <laughs> the end of two is just it's just so hard going. Yeah, like it really wears you down. And you're right about like you know there's something exciting about how how provocative it is in places. But I I wonder if it would just be like too grueling. It kind of has its misery cake and eats it. <laughs> that's the problem I have by the end of it. You know, like. I, I feel like I would have learned the same lesson if that game stopped halfway through. Mm. But you know, maybe that is maybe that is what's interesting about it. I was rereading some uh, reviews of Last of Us Two, and it was quite interesting to see if find a few negative ones where people are a lot of people who don't like it. It's because they they like hate they like hate the game in terms of what it does for the story, and it's it's such an emotional reaction they've had to it. You know, like. They almost can't sort of forgive the game itself in a way for mm. some of the th- things it does, and you're like, well, that is kind of what this game's about. You know, <laughs> yeah. you know like you, you can't disagree with the premise of the story. You know, like it's... yeah, like it's like yes, I believe the emotion you're feeling is the emotion it wants you to feel. <laughs> is that you're incredibly cross and disappointed about some of the stuff that happens in the game because, you know, spoiler alert, the people in the game are too. So yeah, but 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 you must see that like. Just in terms of like headcount, part two feels like more traditionally like TV friendly. It it does, yeah, and that's where I almost think, oh, was this created with some kind of adaptation in mind? You know what I mean? Um, right. I feel like it's almost like did a switch get um, turned like back, you know, back at Sony HQ where they were like, okay, our blockbusters now have to be so long and so all encompassing. See also God of War Ragnarok and um, Horizon Forbidden West. That like. 
what was like a 10 hour game is now like a 20 or 30 hour game like are we is that where we're kind of investing our money into making these stories just feel bigger and bigger and bigger i think pacing is something you could hold against it matthew and i think you probably do right you think it's too long that game um yeah yeah, yeah. about like six to eight hours yeah <laughs> yeah not a short <laughs> period of time um but the thing the thing i keep wondering with it is can bella ramsey pull that material off because i like her i like her fine but it she'll need to like the amount she'll need to shoulder as a lead in this show is a lot and I don't know yeah. if so far I've seen like the capability of someone who could bring a lot of the life to that that it needs. And I'm not saying that she's yeah. bad. Um, I think she's very good at portraying this version of Ellie. But that version of Ellie is might take a bit another dimension. What do you think? Yeah, but I th- maybe them having to like meet her as an actor halfway will make that work in a way that it maybe didn't for me in the game you know Mm. maybe actually that's what it needs to be its own thing on the tv show you know it's it's change you know the changes they've made to kind of fit their performers you know the people in the game don't exist in real life you know they've they've been made by a team of engineers to kind of craft these these people who look exactly as they look to get the emotional reaction they want to get out of you and the idea of like an actual human having to kind of perform it and be that person like will probably kind of sort of soften it a bit, yeah. Like, <clears throat> yeah. I, if anything, I think it could. I, I think it could be more effective for it being her, you know, because it's very very hard to see how this character now could be that character in part two. But maybe that's the interesting like acting exercise, isn't it? It's kind of like if they can get her to that point or get you to a point where you believe that about her, um, that would be like a very effective bit of performance um i'm excited to see them try for sure yeah i'm also quite excited to see the reaction that the second game got like the start of it mimicked in the tv show and like how the real world reacts to that that'll be um that'll be quite fun but that might be that actually might seem more conventional to people that have been watching recent tv so who knows yeah i mean yeah that's like the oldest trick in the book isn't it very much so okay matthew i think that's enough tv show chatter should we take a quick break and come back to talking about the uh, the actual ps5 remake of the game somewhere yeah let's, let's do it Welcome back to the podcast. So, after a very cautious semi-dunking of the TV show, we're going to talk a bit more about The Last of Us game. Uh, <laughs> well, it was, I think it was a fair assessment from people who were, like, not all in on the Kool-Aid. I just, I've, you know, the, the thing we didn't mention, Matthew, is Station Eleven, right? Like, that's post-apocalyptic HBO show that both of us loved last year. And yeah. that just, that has loads more going on thematically than The Last of Us does. So that's maybe at work a little bit as well with us you know we've seen something very recently that's better so yeah yeah Um, that's the problem i've just got too i've got too much pop culture in my head (laughs) i can just see the thing you know the things where people like like even the bill and frank episode nice bit of tv no it's not bad by any means but like bits of it really reminded me of the um there was that film supernova with stanley tucci and Colin, colin firth all right where they're like a kind of gay couple basically dealing with one of them is 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 um sort of succumbing to sort of dementia and dealing with what they're going to do kind of end of life 
and how they kind of manage that. And when you've watched something very kind of harrowing like that, like the TV version almost felt like a sort of fast forward version of something I'd already seen. Yeah. Um, which isn't the TV show's fault. It's just my frame of reference is cracked because of what I've watched elsewhere. See, see also Pixar's up uh, the intro see, to that. And, yeah, and they did it in like fucking two minutes. <laughs> yeah, the, the best two minutes of the film, but yeah. Um, like, uh, uh, yeah, anyway. <laughs> that's fine. Like, I'm not going to dunk on it. Come on, let's not, we, let's not drag the semi-dunking into part two. No, no, no. Okay, so... <laughs> Matthew, you've been re- revisiting this game on PS5. I must admit, yeah. I've been a bit, been a bit cautious about picking it up. It's quite expensive, yeah. but it does seem like it's had quite a facelift. So, have have you enjoyed going back to it? What what's your impression of it so far? Yeah, I have. Um, I've I've not played the game since it originally came out. Um, like I say, I've been playing it like alongside the show, so that maybe gives it a little bit more like novelty beyond it just existing. Um, and I've really enjoyed the direct comparisons and and like some of the kind of easter egg stuff where you realize actually like you know the show one thing it does do really well is it kind of pulls lots of stuff quite subtly from the games without like forefronting it in an embarrassing way um which which i like um you know like clothes choices or like weird props in the background things and you're like oh yeah this is like like a love letter to the show and and that that seems really legit it's also quite funny seeing like the, how video gamey it is in places. You know, I, I said earlier about some of the characters. You know, when you meet them and they just serve such a kind of mechanical purpose that it's quite hard to kind of not see that. But just lines where like objectives are said or given are so different to how the sort of show works. You know, there's there's scenes in this which I remember being really deep, and then actually it's just basically someone going, "Let's go to that water tower," and someone going, "Yep." Just <laughs> um, you know, just a bit eye-opening, I guess. Um, but yeah, as as an actual as an actual like uh, remake rather than remaster, um, like it's a it's a really beautiful thing, and it it takes one of the great strengths of the game, which is the kind of the world reclaimed by nature, and does that a lot more justice graphically than the original could. You know, there's something about those buildings covered in like ivy and all the leaves are like fluttering in the wind and all the kind of weird kind of grass and bushes that kind of you know push out the way when you walk past them and the the, the amazingly reflective puzzles you know it's it's a real um it, it it's definitely you know graphically beautiful and you know one of the best things or one of naughty dog's strengths is that kind of almost like pornographic eye for detail where things get you know every mine everything kind of reacts exactly as it should and there's there's just a hun you know it's a game of like a million neat little touches and you know with more tech and more know-how they've only gotten better at that and seeing that kind of layer to it so you know when you're going through water and seeing all the kind of pond scum dispersing around you and stuff you know if if you're into naughty dogs tech thing uh, which I definitely am. This this game has like loads of that. That's probably like the level it speaks to me like most on, rather than any kind of major mechanical like overhaul. Mm. Like I'm not reassessing it as a as a piece of design. Is it like largely the same mechanics wise as it was? Is it basically untouched in that respect? Just based on memory, you know, you think, oh, this is actually how Uncharted. Uh, this is how The Last of Us Part Two was. But then, you know, I booted that up and played a little bit, and and then you realise, 
you know the characters control quite differently like they're they're a lot faster on their feet um you've got like a lot more evasive options in um part two than you have here and suddenly going back to it you begin to see the kind of like ps3 bones a little a little bit more like you know there's there's nicer animations there's a lot of like sort of everything they've added it's nothing that would affect the kind of core game and how it unfolds um it's more little sort of side details that you might kind of catch little extra physics objects or things like that you know it's it's kind of cute unnecessary touches i guess like the the big gulf is that part two is a like a much fuller stealth game than this one is Mm. and you definitely feel that like you can see sort of underneath the amazing textures and particle effects and lighting you can see the like the ps3 limitations of like the size of the areas and how the world is like partitioned into a lot of corridors and rooms like that stuff's quite hard to hide yeah that's interesting i think it's like the sort of um the ps3 bones thing was kind of inevitable um i think like it's what i found revisiting this game not in the uh part one kind of like remake they did but in the remaster they did <clears throat> on ps4 um like just a couple of years ago is that like this game is a lot shorter than you might remember it is we, we sped through it um it just it's so fast and i think that like you just don't have that sort of skill curve and excitement curve necessarily that i think that like uncharted did a little bit better where the terms of the escalation and i think the second game escalates in such a great way because like you say you've got so many the character feels better to move to move around and like you have so many different tactical options and the environments are a lot larger for the most part so you have these kind of like stealth sandboxes basically like um Mm. similar to how uncharted 4 would kind of like redraw its canvas of like how it would do combat um and so it's quite quite interesting i think it's like yeah it's got it's got like some limits but um i've got to say watching a bunch of it yesterday for this podcast i was like pretty amazed by the level of detail it's like yeah you know, it just like you know I, it's going to be like what probably two or three years before we get to see another full naughty dog single player game it's nice to have a taste of like what their artists are doing on ps5 you know yeah yeah and you you feel like you know p- part of its reason for existing is probably like you know stretching the muscles of certain teams that aren't ready to work on the next game yet you know it's it's probably a convenient like you don't need to design it per se Mm. you know it's it's take this pre-made thing and and give everyone something to do to kind of sort of you know bring it up to that standard and so i I, yeah i kind of get that it seems to happen a lot these days i remember the the when the coalitions before they worked on um gears 4 they did the the gears of war 1 remake and the idea was to kind of like getting to know you new hardware and tech so i imagine that's that's kind of where it's coming from um yeah and and like i say i you know the the the, that level of detail is part of like naughty dog's appeal you know like it you know they're they're the kind of company kind of like you know dot every i and cross every t when it comes to these things and there's there's pleasure in kind of luxuriating in in that stuff um that but there there definitely are moments where you look at a space and you're like that is a ps3 ass bit of level design <laughs> like just the waist high cover and like the, the the layout of it the structure of it and how the room looks and works you can just sort of see it 
you know, often from a distance, you're like, oh, well, I can see, well, that's going to be a combat encounter right there. And I think the second game sort of hides that stuff a bit better. And it still has the quite kind of delineated um, divide between, you know, this is exploration and this is combat. Mm. Um, but it's it's a lot more explicit here. Yeah, for sure. Um, I was curious, like, on that, along those lines, I was wondering if you agree with me on this. The PS4 era... I think it represents this massive leap in the quality of gameplay mechanics for Naughty Dog over the PS3 era. I mean, I've always enjoyed their games, give or take Jack 2 Renegade, um, which was a controversial <laughs> opinion on this podcast, weirdly, me not liking that game. It was just, a, your vehicles blew up too quickly, that was the, the whole thing. But like, <laughs> this was, I think like with Uncharted 4 and The Last of Us Part 2, it's the first time that their gameplay mechanics have been best in class. Everything else has always been great. The cinematic presentation, the visual, sound design, all that stuff, they are amazing at. But I would never have argued that like Uncharted was a better shooter than Gears was, for example. Like I knew right. it wasn't. I knew it was like slightly slightly worse, slightly more frustrating, um, yet never quite as good. Um and like The Last of Us I, I was curious if you felt the the same kind of like leap in gameplay mechanics had happened on ps4 for naughty dog and where you think like the original last of us falls in relation to that like do you think this is the start of them becoming really good at gameplay mechanics or like you know deepening their gameplay mechanics beyond just like shooting galleries in uncharted or do you think that this is like this like you say it's got some ps3 vestiges in it it feels like it's trapped in its generation a little bit yeah, uh, I, I definitely agree about the PS4 thing. I think, yeah, like Uncharted 4 particularly and then The Last of Us Part 2 have, um, yeah, they, they, they like move things along and they feel like a lot more sort of sophisticated. There's Everything gets a bit more sort of sandboxy in terms of the, the environment design can be like, you know, it's big enough. You've got the tech to do their level of graphical fidelity at that kind of size, but also combined with like slightly better AI, which they have bought into this to, to, uh, to be fair, um, part one has slightly sharper enemies. The combat in Uncharted 4 and part two has like a lot more sort of sp- spontaneity to it. It feels like you have this big kind of toolkit of like weapons, stealth moves, environmental things you can use, and you can kind of stitch that into a, a bit m- more of a sort of improvised kind of approach to things. There's less of that here. Like there, there are a few kind of systemic kind of tools you know like the you know the fact that 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 sound and vision plays a part and you can sort of throw stuff around to distract guards and the the stealth rules seem like a little clearer than maybe the the kind of whatever passed for stealth in like uncharted you know one two and three like it's i'd say it's a step towards the ps4 without quite crossing the line but I, i don't know if that's almost deliberate like I think the, the, the tricky thing about The Last of Us Stealth in particular is that almost, like, it, it, I, I don't feel like it was designed to be played as a really precise stealth game mm. where you can, like, ghost your way through, say. You know, to me, it it, it feels like it, it's sort of designed to go wrong and escalate on purpose because they want you dealing with that moment where everything goes wrong and... Uh, actually, to your point about it, it being a much shorter game, like I'm definitely making faster progress second time through because 
when I played it originally, I would often, if I got spotted or it went wrong, I would just reset the checkpoint and kept trying to do it again and again, trying to perfect it. And I don't really know if that's what the game is about. Mm. Like, I feel like it wants you to get into those kind of scrabbling, desperate escapes where you're smashing people with like bits of stick and you you know you're using the last couple of bullets you have you have to nail those last two headshots or you're fucked like i think actually that is the game's sweet spot that's where they want you um if you're very carefully kind of like using bottles to sort of shepherd everyone into sort of safe shiving zones like you can do that but that isn't like the tone of this world no. uh and part two does a much better job of like putting you into like situations where I, I guess like you can't hide but you it's more like predatory it's like fast it's like it's it's like aggressive stealth mm. where this is more like sort of normal stealth that kind of turns into sort of um sort of surprise messy action every once in a while so like you know that is to say i think they're doing it on purpose but because of that, it doesn't feel like it has the... Definitely doesn't feel like it has the depth of those PS4 games. Yeah. The the second one, I think, is designed... It is truly designed to, like, pull in both directions, I think. However way you want to go with it. I think it's, like... It's designed to be more, be more playable in that respect. I think what The Last of Us is good at tricking you into thinking is that... Oh, I can't go all out action because I'll run out of resources and won't be able to progress in the game. But the game is so there's so clearly a hand at work in the background, making sure you never run out of stuff. Um, That's yeah. And once you know that, it kind of like unlocks playing that game at a much faster pace because mm. you're like, you know, fundamentally, I know Naughty Dog want me to get through this game and get to the end because they want me to enjoy their story. Yeah. So they're never going to leave me high and dry. They may leave me a bit more stressed at times, <laughs> um, but I really like like sat on all my supplies the first time I played it. I, I barely engaged with anything. Um, and this time I'm just like fucking Molotovs left, right and centre. <laughs> I'm just dropping nail bombs on anyone. Like it's absolutely fine. And, you know, maybe I could play it on like the hardest difficulty and, and that economy will feel slightly different. But um, I think that's like, I don't know, it fits the characters that, that Joel is like quite aggressive force in that game. Yeah, well, certainly the TV show. He's not doing a lot of stealth, is he? No, no. <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah. I think that's. Um, I think that's a fair point. Yeah, yeah. I think you're. I think you're right. I think there are like hints at where that additional mechanical sophistication will come from in the PS4 era of the Naughty Dog games, but it's not. It's not quite that. Um, but yet yeah. it is. Yeah, is. Yeah, it is a step along from where the PS3 Uncharted's were. So. Yeah, really interesting. Um, uh, not as gory as part two, and I wonder if that's deliberate, like tone, a tonal choice, mm, you know, okay. rather than like an engine choice. Because you know, in two, you're really meant, you're like brutalizing people basically, and like limbs are coming off, and if you shoot people, they like die. It takes them quite a long time to die. It's not very nice. Mm. And this, like, limbs don't come off as much. They've, you know, they've definitely upped it from the original, but. I almost I'd be interested to know what their thought process was in terms of like you know how far can we push like our gore tech without changing like the the message or tone of part 1 compared to part 2 yeah cuz yeah it's like is part 1 meant to be slightly more of a kind of like hero's journey are you meant to see right. Joel as a hero until the game flips and subverts that or yeah. you know what i mean like there's that element you don't, to it. people aren't like you know, they're not like crying as they die in this game. They're lying on the floor holding their wounds, being like, 
all yeah, go or named... cold and you're like, oh fuck, this is horrible. <laughs> I was playing uh... Hotline Miami 2 on my PS Vita. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, like, I think the NPCs in the second one would refer to each other by name as well sometimes. I think that was... Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, much more attention paid. And obviously, they looked so realistic that it was... Um, properly nasty but yeah i do wonder if it's meant to be like oh this is a slightly more blockbustery first chapter um and then the second it's meant to feel like adult but also but the second one's the one where it's like it, it's about humans it's not about clickers it's yeah. about what humans do to each other in a very specific it's, way you know do you remember that quote where like neil Druckmann says part one was about love and part two is about hate <laughs> Okay. Uh, and you're like, yeah. what a bleak thing to like spend five years doing. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's tough. I've, I'm glad for that studio that they got to basically finish the game before the pandemic happened because that would have been like the bleakest game to work on in the pandemic times, <laughs> The Last of Us Part Two. Uh, oh yeah, if you, especially if you're the sound foley guy and you're like, how do I make these dog wound noises <laughs> in my own home? <laughs> Crispy dog dot wav. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, I was sort of like I was playing it with my uh, my ex at the time, and she was very frustrated by how like angry I was getting with the stealth situations where it was just going wrong. I was like, "Well, why are we even bothering to do stealth when I can just shoot my way out of this?" And like, you're right, you are supposed to see the game on that level, but I still have the you know Metal Gear Solid part of my brain that does want to kind of like master this stuff. The time jumps in this game are are, are so profound that the game, the story, does move along. It feels like it's moving along at such a clip. And then it's kind of just over very suddenly. So where are you up to in the game, Matthew? Can we talk about story stuff? Uh, yeah, well, I'm up to where we're at in the show. Okay. Um, so oh, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm not quite at the end of it. I'm doing the uh, like bandit stuff in Pittsburgh, which I think... is that Does that become Kansas City in the TV show? Uh, yes, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I, it, yeah, it's kind of weird because like... When I watched the show, I thought, "Oh, this is quite different." Uh, that was—it's—it's it's the stretch of the game I probably remember the least. Mm. And when you play the game, and you're like, you know, how it all kicks off, how they get ambushed, even like the shop they crash into, and like in some ways, like the layout of the shop and like some of the props and things are exactly as they are <laughs> in the game. Like, it's Very quite spooky. Yeah, it's it's pretty like amazing, like how how close the show is to it. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm I'm fighting bandits, which I must prefer admit is like I kind of prefer that mode of the game to fighting the clickers, because hmm. um, you know again by design I, I always found I found the rules of like what they can and can't hear or how they are or aren't going to react a, a little bit too vague hmm. um, in the in the first game, but I think that that you know they're like. They want you to put a foot wrong, and then it, for it all to kick off. So that's 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 why it's like that, and I get that. Um, but the bandits, I don't know. That just feels like it's more like trad stuff. I know what I'm doing with it, um, and yeah, this is definitely a bandit heavy chapter. Yeah, I think as well. Like the there's a scrappiness to the combat where it's not like you're pinned down by you know loads of machine gun fire. It's like everyone's if there's a feeling that everyone's got three or four pistol bullets. You know what I mean? Like it's. Yeah. Even, if the, even if the game cheats its way to it, it's not like, yeah, it's not like you're in a firefight in Uncharted. It, it has a very different sort of scrappier vibe about it. Um, yeah. yeah, and there's 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 a bit you know like there are very there are characters who are explicitly like melee attackers who are trying to get up close. So you know they they everything kind of bears down on you. There's not a lot of like just long distance fights where you're shooting things 
you know, at the other end of like a car park or whatever. Mm. Everyone's kind of constantly swimming on you. So even if they have got a gun, the likelihood is, you know, you're going to hit them with a big plank of wood at some point. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, that's that's quite good fun. It's definitely got its own like look and rhythm to it, which, you know, still to this day, like that, that kind of uh, the ease with which it switches between kind of ranged and close combat, I, I really like. Hmm. So you're coming up to winter, I guess. Like you've got that to to come. Um, uh, yes, I guess there's the dam stuff first. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, I always think that comes earlier in the story. I don't know why. It's like that feels like something yeah. you do in the opening chapters rather than like later. But yeah, I guess it makes sense. Yeah, I'd kind of mixed together um, the the bill, the stuff with Bill and the stuff in Pittsburgh and Henry and Sam. Like that, that had all kind of mixed into one big section i thought i was working with bill to fight like against a big armored car Mm. um which is a bit later instead um yeah yeah it's good i i I am enjoying it i'll tell you what it reminds me of that i didn't ever really strike me before it's quite half-life two-ish right right like on a rudimentary level like the fact that you sort of start in a kind of city that's under kind of the rule of these sort of jackboots of soldiers it's very like the opening to Half-Life 2 where you kind of walk through it and then the way it kind of sort of spills out through sort of sewers uh, into that. And, and just the way that like mechanically, you know, the game does have like this section is a section where you're trying to dodge spotlights and this section is a sniper fight. And this section, there are lots of like uh, like the, the traps that Bill has laid. And that's almost, uh, you know, almost a little bit kind of raven um, Like, you know... It's just pull, it's pulling from the same trick book. It, it, like I can sort of see it a bit more clearly second time round than I could the first. Hmm. Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. I mean, do you think this game would benefit from a hovercraft section, Matthew? What do you reckon? <laughs> <laughs> that's like the worst bit of Half Life Two, isn't it? It's controlling that thing. That feels like it goes on forever. That section. Um, oh yeah, and you have to keep getting in and out and going into the various barns and yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not. Uh, yeah, that not sucks. Um, so okay, right. So I guess, like, do you feel in a position to talk about the ending of the game? Because that always feels like the thing with this game is like the the you know it's the it has like such a profound impact on the second game. Of course, um, it's like the part of the TV show. I'm intrigued to see how they do because they could you know it's very likely they will make sure that the TV show ending weaves into what happens in part two more than the first game was able to, because mm. obviously they built a story in retrospect that relies on a, on a slight, a slight leap of faith, I guess for you as a player. So the ending, Matthew, have you, have you revisited this in any form? I guess it's not where you're at in the game. Uh, but do you remember this ending? Um, I remember the broad shape of it. I don't remember like specific lines, but I, I sort of remember yeah what happened and, that people agree or disagree over whether Joel is right. Do you, do you maybe want to explain it? As you probably remember it better than I do. Yeah, Joel turns into a monster, right? Yeah, he does. Uh, yeah, he got like big wings. Um, he calls and you like, fight God in space. Yeah, he's, called, he's like Joel the Lava God. What's that Cragger guy? I keep keep getting that. <laughs> Lava Lord. Lava Lord. Yeah, Joel the Lava Lord. It's um, very controversial part of that game. He becomes uh, Joel, Lord of Blasphemy. <laughs> Lord of Blasphemy. Uh, okay. So, yeah, they arrive in Salt Lake City. Ellie is unconscious. She, Joel takes Ellie into this hospital ran by the Fireflies. And the hope is that, of course, the whole premise of the game is that um, this whole Cordyceps thing, um, Ellie is immune to it. She is bitten, but she doesn't um, get infected. And so the hope is that they can um, synthesize a vaccine out of... Um, 
out of Ellie. But what they don't tell Joel in like getting him to bring Ellie across this country is that they actually plan on um, killing her and cutting into her brain and removing part of her brain to synthesize this vaccine with no guarantee that it would actually work. Um, and Joel basically kills the fireflies and takes Ellie and runs away, basically. And then when she, with all the fireflies dead, including Marlene, uh, a key character in the story, basically Joel lies about what had happened and said that there was um, they were unable to create a cure and they've stopped trying. And so this obviously, you know, what actually happened is like, it's very strongly suggested that Ellie doesn't quite believe Joel's recollection of events, but she wasn't witness to it because she was unconscious. So you only see it from Joel's perspective and you have this very vengeful moment of like, you know, he's been misled and so he essentially takes her and and goes and um how is it it implied or explicitly said that there have been other people who've been immune that they've done this to i i don't remember that bit but that 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 seems plausible i think like it's very strongly relayed that there's no guarantee this will work basically um but and that she is lamb to the slaughter in a lot of ways it's a sacrifice that she's making um the reason i think hashtag joel was right is that (laughs) they didn't tell him what they were doing with her like they if they'd done that they would be in the right but they had to die and i think he was right so yeah sorry abby but the whole premise of your revenge was wrong and you should blame your dad (laughs) tough break uh tough break there for abby um what did you make of this ending at the time and like have you kind of i suppose like having played the last of us part two i assume you thought about this a little bit in some form matthew yeah um i remember i think i'm roughly hashtag joel was right like I don't. The, the tricky thing is, is, is like, you don't have any option. Mm. You know, you don't have any agency in that final section. You know, it's there are aggressors coming after you, and you have to deal with them. And in that moment, like, by you know, by just by the like the the rules of the video game, like you feel kind of complicit, and you have to kind of go along with him. Maybe like that is that like a kind of forced agreement with him in a way. Yeah, I guess so. It's a deliberate mirroring of the intro as well, right? Like it's you know he's seen his actual daughter die, um, and like he has the he has the power to prevent it this time um, for you know his surrogate daughter essentially, and does. Yeah, and so it's cleverly drawn in that respect, I think. Yeah, yeah, I, I yeah, I guess sort of. I don't know. Maybe it's a bit of a like a way of weaseling out of it. But it's almost because you don't have any like say in the matter because mm. you know that is just what has to, that is what happens in the story. Like I've probably just sort of squared that with myself by going, well, then that's what had to happen, and we're just going to deal with that and like live with that, and that's fine. You know, I like whether or not I think it's right or wrong. It almost <laughs> like because you, know, you don't have any say in the matter. It almost sort of seems redundant to argue the point. <laughs> yeah, I, I do agree with that. I think it's like quite quite brave as an idea because it does entirely dismantle Joel as this heroic figure. Um, that you get, you know, it is strongly suggested throughout the game that he you know him and tommy have done bad shit in this post-apocalyptic world like that they are they are not their hands are not clean but this you know the the idea that like he would he would choose her over the even the possibility of a vaccine is like that's a you know that's a murky gray decision and it's an interesting one to leave the player with you know yeah i like i do remember thinking that like it was more more than implied that she sort of knew what the deal was 
And it was like a silent agreement between the two of them. Yeah, particularly in the second Which, game, I think that's underlined. Yeah, though that maybe makes like her anger and reaction to sort of finding out about the first game in the second game like a little bit more uneven. You know, that doesn't quite go with how you know if she's sort of on board with it. You can't then later be out of sorts about it. You know. Yeah, I, I think like it is left. You know, there's like a, a lingering doubt. That's what I remember about the ending. It's a lingering doubt from Ellie. It's not like she knows what happened. Like she is like un- unclear, but like yeah, there's a, a, yeah, a I, but there's like, a suggestion she gets what what had happened. That's what I, I would say. Yes, that's yeah, yeah. I, you know, in terms of their their kind of character art, the idea that at the end point of the game, there's such sort of affection or closeness or respect or whatever between them that she trusts like what he's done you know to have been in their best interests or right mm. um and so you know that's that's quite a sort of powerful full stop on the journey they've been on together of like that you can have a, a you know when you get to the point in any relationship where you can have a unspoken understanding between two people like that's you know that's quite a sophisticated way of showing you know that you're no longer strangers would you, um, if if it was you and me <laughs> in this situation, and you are my surrogate I, daughter, if if I had if I had uh, a mushroom immunity and I was on that table, would you kill everyone? Would you kill all the doctors and save me? Or would you let them cut away? Uh, I'd be like, look, this guy doesn't like Captain Toad Treasure Tracker. He's got to go. You know what I mean? Like it's it's tough. But, uh... Well, I think in a world where like mushrooms have killed everyone, I don't think Captain Toad is like particularly everyone's favorite game right now. If anything, I'd say Captain Toad is persona non grata in the world of The Last of Us. <laughs> well, I, I would I would need to consider it a bit more. I'd like say to the doctor, look, how likely is it that you'll get this from this? If he's like, look, we have no idea how what we're doing here. We're just going to cut into the brain and see what happens. Like. I'd be like, well, okay, we pro- let's maybe slam the brakes on. You know what I mean? Like, he's a good guy. <laughs> right. I don't think like I'm willing to give him over to like. You're meant to just take it as surely the shots are like saving humanity is worth it no matter what. Like that's like the question it's asking you, right? Versus, do you make yeah. a selfish choice and save someone? I, the other, but- the bigger question is. Joel carries Ellie out of there. I'm not sure I could carry you out of the Fireflies. I'd have to just... Oh, fuck no. Maybe <laughs> in a wheelbarrow, which would definitely undermine the drama of that situation. Yeah, if it like spills over a couple of times, I'd have to put you back in. That's tough. <laughs> I mean, like, Catherine, can you come along and help me with this? It's like quite heavy. Um, you, have to, you have to wobble the, the uh, dual sense back and forth <laughs> to kind of balance me in a wheelbarrow. <laughs> <laughs> you're like this is not how i thought this game was going to end <laughs> let's face it our listeners probably would have preferred two hours of that these scenarios than like the, what we actually talked about matthew oh, a very yeah. sober Damn discussion I, of the last of us i was going to open the podcast by asking you that in the world of the last of us are you fedra bandit survivor or mushroom man <laughs> um I think like Mushroom Man because I'd just be to, I'd be like I'd be quite nihilistic in the face of apocalypse. I wouldn't be like, oh, this is my time to thrive, baby. I'd be like, welp, uh, no more Nintendo Switch games. <laughs> the weird thing as well, like I don't remember this, and this isn't in the game, but the the show adds this weird law quirk that the disease spread via carbs. Oh yeah, that is that is weird. Yeah, I don't remember them saying it out loud. Maybe it's in some of the documents you pick up. But the idea that like everyone turned into mushroom men because they ate some like tainted cake pancake mix. Yeah, and that's why the the episode has him like 
Joel very explicitly rejecting <laughs> uh, carbs. He's on Atkins diet. Um, and so when I was thinking about that, I was like, well, I mean, that would be us fucked. Like, <laughs> we definitely have eaten, like, tainted bread. Yeah, exactly. Like, f- five weeks of beef jerky, then I'd be like, look, I need to eat a fucking donut immediately. You know what I mean? Like, it's... <laughs> you eat one donut and turn into a bloater. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they did They did make the bloater look quite cool in the TV show, actually. I yeah, thought it was I, nicely done. Yeah. I thought they were going to do the whole thing without doing the special zombie types. Well, that bodes well for part two, right? There's a good one in part two. Yeah, it's just because there's that line of dialogue where she's talking about, aren't there like big exploding ones and this? And he's like, no, that's all bullshit. And I thought, oh, this is quite refreshing. They've they've cut it down to like the core zombies rather than the boss zombies. So when that big boy came out of the pit, I was genuinely like, oh, okay, we're doing this army. This is very video gamey, but I, <laughs> I didn't hate it, actually. No, same, especially because that is like... I do wish they looked a little bit more real, generally. Like, they look very CG, I think, the the yeah. uh, clickers. But um, that was quite a cool moment, especially because I like the whole set-piece notion of the armoured car collapses into the ground, so they all spill out of the house. Like, that was yeah. that ruled. I thought that was really good. Yeah, that, um, was, that, was, that was really good. And I guess the kind of set-piece you just couldn't have done on console, like, from the kind of, you know, I think they had a maximum of, like, eight eight characters or something oh, they could shit. do in the original game. Is that true? Fuck. They really did their their best then. Wow, that's amazing. Um, yeah, it... well, maybe that's maybe that's not true. Where was I reading that? I think that was in the Digital Foundry breakdown of how part one differed to part two. Maybe it's like they couldn't give AI to more than eight things. Right, right. So that's, that's why the combat encounters are the size. They are, anyway, I, I'm probably misquoting it there. No, um, no that's interesting. Uh, that kind of makes but, sense. Um, yeah, I, actually, another quick thing about the show compared to the game. Um, I think the game is still quite scary with like the sound editing, like the clickers sound horrible and definitely um, the, the the not really being able to know kind of like what, when they are or aren't going to be able to see or hear you is is adds you know a base level of fear to it. And I'd say that I thought the show was going to be quite scary after the first episode because I thought the scene where. Um, Sarah in the prologue kind of went into the next door neighbor's house was like a genuinely quite effective bit of like sort of horror. Yeah. Um, but I don't think it has succeeded on that front going forwards. Like I, I found the I found like the clicker stuff in episode two pretty like naff. Yeah. Um, like it, it wasn't until that season five where episode five where it all went horribly wrong. I was like, oh yeah, this is a bit more like it. Um, yeah. I sort of think that like one maybe slight mistake they've made is they too early give you like a massive horde of them um like i think maybe you need to build up to that but by episode two they've already got like tons of them running around boston um Mm. and like uh, i wonder if maybe you needed to do like these more intimate scenarios first of all to be like oh seeing this thing is kind of is really scary and then right when you get to episode five and they do all come out the ground that's like your first time you've seen a pack of them running um I wonder if that yeah. might have worked better, you know. But because uh, the, yeah. the, the, the you know the, the game still very effectively conveys that, like you know, there are these sort of shambling guys who may get up in your grill, but it's not game over. And then if these nasty fuckers get close to you with like full mushroom head, you know, then you are basically like instantly dead. You know, there's there's no fighting that thing off if it if it gets close enough. Yeah. And like they establish them as being very threatening early on and they maintain that you know to the point where i am in the game now like i'm still always in any stealth scenario 
I have to get rid of the clicker. You know, the clicker is the thing. Once, like, once I get rid of that, my general like stress level drops significantly, and I can kind of enjoy it a bit more. But it's always how do we get rid of that bastard? That's like, um, I suppose that is an area where I should probably give the game more praise. Is that that as a kind of a notion to relate to the player of oh, it's in your best interest to take out this one thing that could fuck everything up as quickly as possible. Mm is like good design isn't it that is like yeah oh yeah yeah but that's i should praise that instead of just complaining about how opaque the stealth is which um <laughs> um yeah because there's definitely like things it does well and yeah that is true that's one of them and they're like the the act of shiving those is a very uh you know to go back to our excel episode this month matthew oh yeah moment that's like that always feels good <laughs> good use of shiving in that game um yeah, yeah. i suppose although, although it has that it has that other mechanic where you need shifts to open some doors to like bonus rooms full of treats oh yeah yeah uh so i'm always kind of like oh, i really don't want to use my shift because what <laughs> if there's a special like treat room and i'll be sad i've left so many treat rooms behind he would just kick those doors down definitely yeah that's kind of bullshit but <laughs> or use some other item to do it it's like yeah i'm just gonna pop a bomb here blow the handle off yeah of there's yeah. so many ways of opening a door yeah so oh yeah shiv- shivs are very precious in this world you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> So just a piece of metal. So I can get inside and click those sweet, sweet scissors and rags. <laughs> uh, yeah, they haven't done that in the TV show yet, have they? Where they get to the treat room. Um, yeah. No, th- there was a bit in, in episode three where um, Frank is in the hole and Bill goes and gets a ladder. Yeah. Where I, I genuinely thought, oh, f- finally, finally someone is doing a ladder puzzle. <laughs> Actually, the game only has two ladder puzzles so far. Um, but in my yeah. head, like, in my head. In that game, like Joel is basically carrying a ladder all the time. <laughs> I barely remember puzzles in that game. Like I barely remember them. Like compared to Uncharted, where the puzzles are like set pieces in their own right, I don't really remember that so much about the Last of Us. Is there a lot more of that than I remember? It's a bit. There's a. F- I think it's more that like hoist me up, and then I'll give you this this plank, and then you'll carry the plank here. Um, there's quite a lot of plank, and well, there's not a lot of ladder work. There's only two ladder things so far, but there's you know really they're glorified loading screens you know like it's 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 really no no more offensive to me than squeeze through this tight crack you know Hmm. it's let's gather here slowly walk about with a plank while we're loading in the next kind of horde or whatever and that's that's fine by me i've i've really got a problem with it yeah i suppose the other thing that was kind of exciting about the last of us at the time is that um it has the like you know the ladder thing is one thing but it's like the idea of the the companion relationship expanding to like a full game um because you always had these moments where it's like you and chloe or you and elena or whatever in like uncharted one two and three um mm. but then to like take it to the next level mechanically um in the last of us as they do where that character is you know that that companion is a permanent you know a permanent like <clears throat> part of the game and then in uncharted four it feels like that means that when you get to that game like the the you know the the way that like the characters will like team up together is even more meaningful you know what i mean like it's mm. it's like a little mini project you see them doing in the background right it's like how do we make ai really nail ai companions so there's someone with yeah. you who doesn't feel like a faff to like look after where it's like it's actually quite exciting to have them in the field with you and you can convey the sense of a journey you know um, yeah, and yeah. and actually that that is something they've tweaked a bit for part 1 like there's there's fewer incidents of like you know, we have to stay really quiet, and then like Ellie's literally running circles of a clicker, and it's not doing anything. You know, there's 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 not a lot of that anymore. Yeah, um, it seems much better behaved. Yeah, that's fucking hard to do as well. 
Um, but yeah. Um, okay, cool. Well, yeah, good. I'm glad you're enjoying it, Matthew. Uh, yeah, I would also be curious to know in the in the situation you described there, where I'm saving you with a wheelbarrow. <laughs> you get to like the Last of Us Part Two, and what happens to me is what happens to Joel in that game. What do you do after that? Um, like to what... be honest, I'd probably just go and live back at the town where it was safe <laughs> and nice, and there were lots of like barn dances. <laughs> yeah, it was and, nice. And everyone would be like, "What happened to Sammy?" And I'd be like, "I don't know." <laughs> <laughs> I'd pretend that I didn't know about it so that people wouldn't judge me. But he went out on a patrol. Uh, hopefully he'll be back soon, though. Bleak. That's um, a, that's a pass game. me more of that cake mix. <laughs> no, wait! <laughs> it's like, yeah, mm, a, tasty, a tasty scone. No! No, Matthew! <laughs> Not the scones, eat the jerky. The whole community would basically have to be dedicated to stopping me from eating infected carbs. Uh, I'd be a real... They just, I mean, come on, they just wouldn't let me live there. That's the truth of this. Yeah, you'd be excommunicated it's like they'd be be like no one no one should be your weight in this society (laughs) like there is clearly something shady about you (laughs) oh amazing uh good okay well the the last of us part two starring us and it's uh two hours long because uh there is no cycle of violence because it's just a man being thrown out of a community freaking too many carbs that's uh (laughs) we've got to the core of it there um anything more to add matthew before we punch out uh, no, I'm looking forward to doing this again with uh, part two when we get to that, that bit of the TV show. I think that'll be a, a, a worthwhile exercise. Yeah, I, th- I really, I really do believe that game is like a borderline ten out of ten. So it's um, and and I know you don't, Steve, even make your top ten for 2020. So uh, oh, that's yeah. that's it seems a bit contrarian and annoying, doesn't it? <laughs> hey, it was a pa- in, it was in a, hindsight, it was a shitty pandemic year. What were you to do but have a few spicy takes? You know, that was a you you treat you treated yourself. Um, I, actually, I was curious. Do you think that knowing the tv show will do part two does that make you want to revisit that game do you think you could stand to play that much last of us again yeah i'll probably do it like i'm doing this play it alongside when it eventually comes out it's, it's quite a, a a novel way of playing the game to be honest mm, yeah okay. i'd recommend it but i'd also hold i i bet part one will be on that playstation subscription service at some point yeah i just can't 50 quid at the moment for it i just i'm not that's not quite where is i'm it, at is it not the full 70 uh yeah it is but it's actually 25 percent off on um ps5 oh, okay. this week so um i mean they've done the very wise thing in terms of getting out there like this game is going to be i don't know, i think it already sold 20 million copies the original by the time this tv show is done that's this is going to be one of the biggest games ever made surely it's going to be just uh, massive. oh yeah uh, yeah i mean that's that's why they did it right it's to say you watch the show you fall in love with it and then you don't play a game that looks like a bit kind of crusty now so yeah so it's like yeah you suddenly got four million people and you're like look before you play this, we just need to explain what the PS3 was, okay? It was a, it was a weird time. <laughs> yeah, just just kind of climbing down a little bit at the start. Uh, okay, good. Um, thank you for listening to the podcast. Next week is the Wii U Hall of Fame uh, with Ashley Day, returning guest. That should be good, Matthew. I'm excited about that one. Um, we've just done XL episode for Patreon subscribers, uh, the £4.50 tier. Um, 50 gaming moments that make us go... Ooh yeah, that was um, a really good episode. We were quite happy with how that turned out. Hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, the XXL episode this month is about Korean cinema. So quite a lot going on with us. Um, Matthew, where can people find you on social media? At Mr. Basil underscore Pesto. We're patreon.com slash backpagepod at Twitter on social media and uh, backpagegames at gmail.com if you'd like to email us. Uh, I'm Samuel W. Roberts on Twitter and uh, we'll be back next week. Goodbye. Bye-bye.